to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I'm your host, Hillary Jones. So this episode has been a long time in the making. I've wanted to do it basically almost since the beginning of the podcast. And now that things have opened a bit more up, like COVID-wise, it felt like a really good time to try it. And I'd had plans to go to Minneapolis to do some work with Chase Bliss and, you know, ask them if they could potentially help make connections locally, locally there for venues and artists. And they were down. They were super kind and sponsoring the event as well. Huge shout out to them and specifically to Courtney, their creative coordinator, for helping make all of this happen. With that, if you haven't checked out Chase Bliss, I highly recommend you do. All their pedals have like a huge level of customization and flexibility, which can be, I know, initially intimidating to some, but they do a really good job of documenting how everything functions. And this like kind of allows basically most of their pedals to function as sort of several and one. Um, it is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of wild, like how much each individual pedal of theirs can do. I recently got the Genlas version two and immediately saw like basically this like huge range of applications functionally, but also across different instruments and in production. So yeah, there's super high quality, creative stuff, good people. It's all good. Check it out. Uh, did I just say it's all good? That's weird. All right. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to me. Here we are. Okay, back to the show. Uh, it was recorded live at Cadence Records and Coffee in St. Paul and featured three amazing artists, Sim One, Nat Harvey, and Pamela Leisure. Sim One creates basically what is sort of like, you know, a whole world with her music. It's hyper pop, it's fun, and it's a holistic visual experience too. Nat's music is intimate, touching, and heartfelt, and their work as an engineer is part of our conversation as well. And Pamela plays bass in the band Black Widows, which is sort of like a surf punk band. And she's also a luthier who is a part of the group uh, Women of Luthery. Simwood and Nat both did performances and gear rundowns, and then Pamela did a quick Luthery demo with the audience. And, you know, after each, I asked each of them about their musical backgrounds when, you know, they were done. And then we had a full group panel and closed with an audience Q&A. This was just as fun as I was hoping, and it was so great to have the audience interaction with artists, and I hope you at home enjoy sitting in on the conversation. And as always, if you want to check in on the podcast uh, in between episodes, you can do so via Instagram or Facebook at Midriff Podcast. All right, let's get into it. Here we are. Yay. All right. I, I was gonna bring in like the podcast music like I would normally do at the beginning um, of a podcast and I, I felt like this would be better and it would actually just be funnier if I just did this like like acapella and I was like that's how it goes right okay <laughs> thank you all so much for being here welcome to midriff live the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. My name is Hillary Jones, and I am your host for the evening. Um, I, I'm very excited. This is the very first time that we've ever done this before. And uh, thank you all so much for being here in person. Thank you all at home for listening, which feels weird to say because you're not here, but there's actually people here. It's very complicated, and I appreciate you all coming along for the ride. Before we get going, um, I just want to make a couple of quick notes. I want to uh, thank Chase Bliss for sponsoring the event tonight. Thank you to Chase Bliss. Ow! <laughs> Thank you to Cadence uh, for hosting tonight. Thank you to Mike for doing sound. All right. This is, this is going to be real nice. Um, so here's the general thing that's going to be happening. So 
Um, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, we're you know usually we have a one-on-one -on -one interview, and that is what we do. But this is a interactive event, and so what that means is that we're going to have a couple of performances. After each performance, we're going to do a quick kind of like gear rundown, um, and then. Uh, we're going to do a uh, also a demo, uh, a luthier demo as well. Luthery? Is it luthery? Luthier or luthery? Either way. Either way. Okay. <laughs> because I every time I say it differently, and every time it feels both right and wrong. So I guess that's okay. Fabulous. All right. So, <laughs> um, so we're going to do a luthery demo, demo, and then we're going to have a panel Q and A and audience questions, and that's going to close out the night. Are you ready for it? Woo! All right, cool. Let's get into it. All right, so we have the one, the only, Sim One. <laughs> All right, hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Sim I do electronic, electronic pop, music, pop music, dance stuff, um, and alternative things. All right. Woo. Always waiting in the fairy tale. Feel it. 
Another round of applause for Sim One. All right. So, I know you're tearing down right now, so I'll give you a second to do that. Um, but maybe I can just hand the mic to you when you're gonna respond. Does that feel good? Cool, great. All right, so, fabulous, obviously. Um, can you um, maybe introduce, introduce yourself again, your name and your pronouns, and a little bit about yourself and your background with music? Yes. My name is Sim One, and I already forgot the other questions. <laughs> uh, pronouns, and then just a little bit about yourself and your background with music. Uh, I go by she, her, but do not care if you use any other pronoun for me, and uh, my background with music is I've been singing since I can remember, and I have always uh, loved pop music, was always burning instrumentals of different pop songs onto CDs and taking them around with me, crashing different events, trying to perform them. Obviously, yes. <laughs> I love it. So as far as like your, um, you know, like your first, when you were first doing like production and thing, that kind of thing, like did you, how did you first go about that? Honestly, I had no idea where to even start, so I was really nervous and just like saying, like, I'm trying to make pop music to any and everyone, trying to see if they knew how to do it, and eventually came across people that went to IPR here in the Twin Cities, and uh, they knew all about production, and I was like, oh, okay, that's how you do it. So, <laughs> kind of uh, crash courses on Ableton Live is kind of how I started, uh, and along with other various DAWs, but Ableton was my favorite, and I stuck with it. I like your commitment. <laughs> do you, uh, do you, you still, you still use Ableton, and then do you use that for, for what we heard tonight? Yes, that's what I use. Cool. And when you're using Ableton, is it like, um, like are you using like a lot of like, like plug, like how do you, what's, what's your process, I guess? Yeah, like I started off using like just Ableton, like proper, I was like, oh, I just wanna use Ableton cause you can do anything in Ableton. But then I realized like that's a lot of extra work <laughs> and you can get there so much quicker if you just use some plugins. So <laughs> now I mostly use Serum actually within Ableton and then uh, really only use Ableton for like, uh, honestly like compression, EQing, reverb and delay, but then I'm using like Max for Live as well. So that's what I do. Cool. And then as far as like your live performance here, 
Um, so obviously you have a nice pedal here that I was eyeing. It sounds so good. I feel like vocal effects live is the hardest thing. Totally. I, I love this little pedal. It like definitely packs a punch and like does all the effects that I want it to, but sometimes can like conflict with re like the feedback that happens just within small spaces. You heard a little bit of that tonight. You can't avoid it for the most part. But uh, there's also ways to use Ableton's uh, features too to do like live effects, which I want to get more into. Um, that way I don't have to use the pedal and rely on it. So yeah. But in the interim, it sounds great. Yes. 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 It's very fun. Did you try others before that and kind of landed on this one or? Uh, I actually, yeah, I'd used um, one of TC Helicon's uh, other pedals. Like it had like a looper uh, thing, but I really don't do too much looping stuff. So this one is much more effective for what I needed to do. Can you tell the folks what the model is? Did we cover that? I can't remember. We actually said which, what the model is. Yeah. No, uh, this one is, The mic mechanic. I always get that one and the, the looping one confused. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I feel like just like as far as, yeah, getting it nice and smooth, like you had a nice delay to it, the reverb was good, and then like also like minimal feedback, which is almost impossible. Literally, like that's the struggle I run into all the time, especially like I like to play with dynamics with my vocals and I'm always like trying to pull away when I remember, but oh well, if I don't. <laughs> It's hard to do, it's hard to do. But you did great and that sounded amazing. And um, uh, for the folks who are at home who did not get to see it, uh, it was just a, it was a fun performance as well. So go check out Sim 1. And, um, and we're gonna, I think, maybe scoot forward and get into and talk to you again when we get into some of the uh, panel discussion. So we'll be seeing Sim 1 again in a moment. All right, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get uh, take one moment, and someone is going to uh, uh, finish packing, which I so rudely interrupted. I know. Uh, and up next, we're going to have Nat Harvey.
for the rest of our life even if we don't see 30 we'll be listening we'll be listening and we are more than highway strangers we don't wish each other luck but now I'll need it if I'm gonna make it back to Minnesota to see your snow and taste your pain Then we're gonna throw our youth around We're gonna take it easy on Sunday Then I'm gonna throw around my youth For the rest of my life Even if I don't see 50 I'll be listening I'll be listening for Nat. <laughs> like now we're sitting, we're standing, now we're sitting. Feels good. Yeah, just mixing it up. I feel like I'm, I'm gonna turn around this chair like I'm a teacher in like a movie from the 90s. Like you're giving uh, yeah, me the I have talk. a little sesh. What's that? Like you're giving me the talk. That's right, yeah. I didn't tell you, but that's actually why we're here tonight. <laughs> The email was vague. You know what? Exactly. I you don't want to give it all away right away. Something was up. <laughs> all right, so uh, Nat, uh, we've established that your name is Nat. Uh, <laughs> do you want to share your name, your pronouns? Uh, well, we got Nat, yes. Your pronouns, a little bit about yourself and your background with music. Um, yeah. I'm Nat Harvey. My, my pronouns are they, them. Um, I'm a, I'm a musician and a recording and mix engineer living here in Minneapolis. Actually, we're in St. Paul right now, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I used to live here, so I can mess up. It's um, true. And uh, I don't know, I mean, I've been, been playing, you know, songwriting and playing in various 
uh, band since I was in high school, and I think um, you know my my practice as a as a recording engineer and a studio person really informs the way that I approach um, songwriting and and collaboration, and that started for me I think like a lot of people because I wanted I wanted to have a have some recordings of my high school band and. I found out how expensive it is to do that, so I started getting into that on my own, and then I, um, I found out that I really love that, and so I've been doing that ever since. So, when you say I started getting into that, like, were you using like a four track, or like what were you, or like something? There was on your a computer? little bit of that. There was like, um, I don't know. I mean, I I think definitely my first like, the first recording that I ever did was like, my mom had like a, a dictaphone mini cassette. Cool. And I think, um, I, yeah, I would record little demos of that, be like, oh, I need to, I need to remember my riff. <laughs> um, and then you rewind it and you play it back and it sounds like a little bit different than it does in the room, but it, you know, it was, it was fascinating to hear it, it was fascinating to, you know, just like that, that we can record really, um, I, I was really fascinated by just the simple reality of that. And I still am, I still feel that way every time I record. Um, so it was a little bit of that and then, you know, friends had garage band and then, you know, as I, as it sort of became my, my job over the last however many years, I shifted to using Pro Tools and this, you know, the 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 tools and um, resources that I've had access to have obviously really, you know, expanded as I've gone further into this. But it, you know, everything that I do is, I think, still really informed by a really simple, you know, fascination with just the idea of a recording. Yeah, it's uh, the. I think that's a really good point and something that I feel like I've, I. Forget sometimes it's like oh yeah we can actually just record a sound or a song and we can have it again later we're living in the future um, and it, it really is kind of a cool thing I, sometimes I think about like the fact how much like video and like you know pictures that we take are we gonna have to remember anything are our brain are, is our memory gonna disappear maybe <laughs> um, but I th well to that point too though I think that you know I noticed with the dictaphone, you know, it sounded different. It sounded warbly and weird, and and it's, I guess it, yeah, it's about memory. It's about, I guess it, it's a memory aid. I mean, that's what it started as. I was trying to remember my riff, but also like, it's not, you know, it's not the thing. It's it's a representation of the thing, and I think I think that's what's interesting to right. me about it. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I could go down a huge rabbit hole with this whole conversation. We're going to wait. We're not going to do that right now. Um, <laughs> but we are going to talk about your current setup. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have a whole situation. So let's, do you want to start with your guitar? Yes. Um, my guitar is, God, this it goes against so many of my instincts to talk about this. Um, my guitar is a reverend double agent. Uh, it used to be like baby blue and then I had my friend Wyatt strip the finish because I always felt like I was like in a ska band 
because of the color. No hate to ska. I'm just not in this. Wait, are blue are blue guitars? Do blue guitars indicate that it you're in a ska like band? It just like had this kind. Of, you know, it was like sort of bright and just sort of like candy color in this way that I'm like I can imagine. I can imagine that being the case. In my mind, nothing would indicate that you're in a ska band unless it's like a checkered guitar. Yeah, I mean, I. I'm I'm letting my I'm 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 taking some allowances, but I'm I'm strong and very arbitrary aesthetic sensibilities. Anyway, I I really like this guitar. It was something that I could afford in 2017, and um, it has a it has a humbucker on the bridge and a a single coil P90 on the neck. So I really hate the sound of humbuckers. I think they're kind of Pokey and I've never liked them, but it's nice because it can be sort of a a studio and a tour guitar for me. Um, so I can use this sort of when I have a lot of control over the environment that I'm working in, I can use that single coil pickup, which I think sounds it's it's just a very sweet sound. And then if I'm you know in a um, a tricky venue or something, I can I can switch to the P90. And then there's a there's a I think it's a Wilkinson tremolo on there, which is kind of like my whole, my whole, I, you know, I'm like a rhythm guitarist with, I'm a okay rhythm guitarist with tricks. And my trick is that I just do a little wiggle on the, on the tail. Of, Sometimes that's all you need, everything. right? Just a little wiggle. Just a little wiggle. Just a little wiggle. Yeah. So I like my guitar. I also think it sounded a lot better since the finish came off. There, see, now we're talking. <laughs> is that a, from a luthier standpoint, is that a thing? It, does it sound, is, am, I, am I making that up or could no, that happen? No, you're not making it up, that's, that's real. I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, d- does, I know a lot of reverends have like a bass roll off as well, does that have this? Does, does this have that as well? It does, but I don't, I don't use it. Not, I think not because I like a super bassy tone, but I think that it's, it's not all super audible and I think you can sort of use that the sort of, I like to turn the low end a little bit lower than I would have it on my amp, but have it up on my guitar so I can sort of push the amplifier a little bit harder mm-hmm. and get it to break up sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, and then we've got a couple of pedals going on here. Do you want to talk about those real quick? MVP is the Polytune 2. It's Always. really bright. It's little. Uh, that's my favorite one. And then... <laughs> I just, I try to keep a really simple setup because I can't, well, I can't afford to, I, one, I'm not really interested in having a bunch of stuff and I think I need to focus on my my singing and, and playing and it, it messes me up to have a little um, LED, little city below me. Um, so I have a, a simple setup and it's just a, um, this pedal called the Manifold Drive Zach knows (laughs) Um, that I don't think it's been in production for several several years and it was very limited run but it's it's a really simple overdrive that my friend Peter Bregman designed Um, I don't really know what any of this shit means I know it's asymmetrical clipping and it has some little there's a bright and a dark and I just have it on neutral all the time but it it just sounds really good to me I sort of unanimously dislike most dirt pedals, but this one I really like. Um, and then that goes cool. into an MXR carbon copy delay, um, which is a simple, I think it's, is it a bucket brigade delay? 
Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Zach's <laughs> my helper. Bringing it in. Um, just, uh, and it has a sort of modulated tail, so there's like a little bit of a chorusing effect that I really like. I have that. I have like a simple, like short slapback that's always on, and that's a big part of my tone. And then after that, I have the, the ribbons, which is sort of like a, a, a I get. A tape emulator, sort of. I mean, it has a vibrato thing that I like, but I, I mostly use it because it can sort of it can make this. I think the setting is called magnetic dance. Ooh. I know, right? And it, wow, we all need one of those. Yeah, and it's sort of. Um, you can just you can sort of like extend your your tails infinitely with it, so. That sounds like this. I think it's just a couple sort of asynchronous loops of a buffer that's always getting the input signal. Um, and I just use that as sort of like a transition pedal. It's really nice for between songs or um, just as sort of a pad. Sometimes I'll get that going and I'll play over that for a whole song. Um, but I really like that sound. There's a lot of pedals that do that, and they're all so expensive. Uh, yeah, I feel like everybody's been freaking out about that pedal lately, and I have not tried it yet, but it looks really cool, and that sounds dreamy. Yeah, Kinotone Audio, um, Jack Jensen, it, In My Neighborhood, real sweetheart and very talented. Go check it out. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, I think we're going to scoot forward. Um, I appreciate, oh wait, I, actually we do need to talk about this, I forgot. Um, what is this item right here and then we need to, we're gonna scoot on. Um, this is, this is a sampler called the Black, ba the Black Box by um, 1010 Music. It's, um, it's very utilitarian and kind of ugly and um, just very powerful. It's, I don't know why That's where it gets its power in its ugliness <laughs> well that's where it gets its affordability i think i don't like i've also, used this thing yeah. for several years i don't know why more people aren't obsessed with these because they're just very they can sort of do anything but i when i'm playing solo often i'll run tracks like i did on the song that i played um and so sometimes i'll sort of treat it like an ipod classic and do real sort of karaoke type shit um in this case, I have, you know, I, I can build out little beats on that. I bring samples into there and can build out beats for a song. And it's nice because you can get sort of an organic thing happening. So I'll, I'll use like um, a low frequency oscillator to like, you know, have these super, super simple beats where the, you know, the hi-hat is like on the, on the quarter note or whatever. But, you know, I can use an LFO so that maybe the attack time of, um, of the, of the hi-hat, uh, sort of changes randomly with, with each hit right. to give a little bit more of like an organic feel. Some action. A little a action. Magic, a magic dance. That's right. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I, I uh, really appreciate you explaining that. And um, this was fabulous. Um, I hope everyone takes a peek at this little um, box. Even though it's ugly, it is powerful. Um, all right, Nat, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> All right, up next, we have Pamela Laser.
We're going to take one sec to scoot some of this stuff over so that Pamela has room. To get the sound? Yeah, to get sound because there's not like a... Feel free to use my tuner if you want to so. Well, I want to use this one for the thing, like... The strobe? Yeah, the strobe quality. Oh, that's above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a strobe on that, buddy. It's not the same, but you can get a strobe on there. Really? Yeah. I want to feel like a piano tuner. Yes. Did anyone do anything fun this weekend so far before this? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I can't remember actually. What I know. Did this weekend. You can't remember anything? It's so long ago. We didn't record it. I know. Never happened. Never happened. Right with sound? Yeah. Okay. If it doesn't work, you can just describe what you're doing. Okay. Or I can tell jokes. <laughs> I don't have any jokes. <laughs> you got one? No, you go. I have one? I believe in you. Oh, now this is stressful to come up with a joke. I don't have one. I can just ask questions. Yes. Yes. That's that's the thing. Here's the thing about being descriptive and memory. Because some people are really good storytellers. I'm an awful storyteller, and just because I cannot remember any details, I can't remember anything, and I can't remember any details, and therefore I can never tell a story. Yes, exactly. Because then I bring other people on, and then they tell the stories, and I don't have to. See? Genius. I was telling my, um, did you get it figured out? No. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's all like digital and weird, and so I think that we should just forgo that. Okay. I will, I'll, that's fine. Are you, are you feeling pretty set up here? I'm set up on that. Okay. Yeah. I will tell one story really yeah, quickly we, because it's funny. Just... So I was, um, my six-year-old, I was putting my six-year-old to bed the other night and trying to come up with a story, and he can, he just like wants me to tell stories, and I can't tell them. I literally cannot think of a story. And, and so I was like, all right, well, let me tell you about the time that I got really angry, because I'm like a very chill person generally. And I was like, well, here's a story. One time I went to see, this, is, this will age me, I was 2001, and I came up to go to the Target Center. Is it still called the Target Center? Yeah. 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 Uh, because I wanted to see PJ Harvey, and she Woo. was playing opening for U2, <laughs> just to set the stage a little bit. And I had driven three and a half hours to go to the show. I was very excited. Was pissed that I did not get to see her play wherever she was playing before that, that was not <laughs> at the Target Center and at an actual like regular venue. Um, drove three and a half hours, got there, and then uh, <laughs> we found out, we, I don't, didn't realize how bad our tickets were. I was way, way, way up high. Uh, and like kind of back and I was like this is awful but I'm glad that I'm here and finally getting to see her and then this guy back there because he obviously everybody was there to see you too uh, was like get off the stage like just having a fit and I was so 
mad and he kept yelling and I was just like I had finally like lost my mind and I do not ever do this but I turned around and I was like if you don't shut the fuck up you're going down the fucking stairs <laughs> and I it's not my general style it's not um, but you know what it worked <laughs> he shut up <laughs> I didn't tell my son that part of it but you know I told him I yelled at him so that's how my. Was the sh how was PJ Harvey? Amazing, amazing. Was it the stories from the city, stories from the sea tour? I think. Anyway, there you go. I was 21. I wasn't old enough to go to the, go to the, real venue. Okay, how we doing over here? Um, now I, I get back to where. I, was. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. This is like. We're, we're doing a gear podcast, and the thing that we're, we're getting, like, having trouble with is the tuner. I don't know why that cracks me up for some reason. I believe in you. Well, should work. This is a new, I've, I've used so many tuner pedals, but this is so, like, it's all digital. Is that a Peterson? Yeah, okay. it is, but there's just so we'll many We'll talk about options. that in a minute. Great. Should we start, okay. should we restart yeah. the podcast? Yeah. Thank oh, you yeah. all. Thank you all very much. All right. Pamela. All right. Hi. Hi. All right. Can you share uh, your pronouns and a little bit about yourself and your background with music? Sure. Uh, my name is Pamela Leisure, and my pronouns are she, her. Um, works just fine for me. Uh, my background in music is that I grew up playing the violin. Um, I used to play in a lot of bands, like fiddle, like loud kind of country punk fiddle bands. And then at some point I started a band with um, a friend of mine and picked up the bass. And so I was like, okay, I play bass now. And I feel like that's uh, everyone's bass playing yeah. story. It's like, well, I guess I play bass now. I'm a bass player. <laughs> I yada, like that. Yada, I love yada, yada. Um, <laughs> Playing bass is great. I love playing bass. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah and I kind I mean, I kind of play guitar, but not actively. I mean, I, whatever. I own a guitar. But I own multiple guitars, actually. But um, I also fix instruments. So I uh, was a violin luthier. I guess I still am. I'm not not qualified to do that. Just do you, is that like, you're, they're not going to reject you anymore. You can't like, yeah. is there a time at which they're like, you're not, a, you're not this. You, yeah. No, you're, you're no longer. I think, may, I mean, maybe, but I think I can still do it, but maybe I wouldn't tell everybody, but we'll do a top We won't secret, tell anyone. Like, back alley, violin repair, you know, <laughs> I just got another code word or something, but yeah, so I do that. Um, but at some point, I decided to also switch to more electric instruments or, you know, acoustic guitars, too, I can fix. But that's kind of what I like doing is electric instruments. Cool. So uh, so you started with bass, and you're a bass mm -hmm. player now. I'm a bass player. Yep. And so do you want to maybe explain a little bit about this is your personal bass here. Do you yeah. want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. This is my little Dan Electro short scale that I love, and it's sparkly. Um, I, you know, I've, I've played other basses before, and, you know, they were just, like, heavy and big, and I decided that I just wanted to get a bass that just fits 
me and the you know I can jump around and hop around on stage without like massive back pain um so yeah I love this little Dan Electra and I love the way it sounds love everything about it they have like such a unique sound it's like I can't even it's like there's it's like the it's not a hollow body but it's like yeah, well, I mean, it, like you, it kind of feels like a toy because it's so lightweight and you don't expect, but like it does have this like kind of gritty sound to it too, you know. Yeah, it and I yeah, the lightness of them I feel like is such a, it's so important, and I feel like people you know if you're not going to be comfortable with your instrument, it's going to be a real problem. Yeah, that is like a major thing that I love talking about is like get an instrument that feels right, that's not going to be a burden. That's not going to be hard to play, you know? Totally. So so you've got the Dan Electro. Do you use, do you have pedals? Like, would you want to, what's, yeah. what, what's your other setup? Yeah, I mean, I guess I could. So you talk, talk about your band, maybe. Sure, yeah. So my band, um, we are called Black Widows, and we're kind of like a surf punk uh, situation out of Minneapolis. Um, so we do a lot of instrumental numbers, but also sing and um, kind of rock, rock out a lot. So I use a few pedals. Um, they're all actually electroharmonic. So I have I have the octave pedal, I have the bass big muff. Um, I guess I have a Boss EQ pedal, and then uh, usually I use a Boss tuner, not this Peterson <laughs> tuner. That's what I use for like Luthery work, and I don't actually use that on stage or anything. So I don't actually know how to make it make sound um, while I'm tuning. Apparently, but. not important when you're yeah yeah. The, have you used one of the, like the old school Peterson oh, yeah. strobe tuner? Yeah, yeah, those are awesome. Those are great, and I wish I had one, but that's not what I have. But yeah, those are awesome. I'm not shaming see. you. Oh no, yeah, I just you know you can see so much. It's even more. I mean, I think this is just as accurate, but there's just so many little squares. All the frequencies. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, um, so, uh, and your amp situation? Uh, my amp situation, I use a Fender Rumble 500 amp with like a with a heart key 112 cabinet. That's my cool. usual setup. Yeah. So the so the Rumble 500 is a head. Yeah. It's a okay. Head. Cool. Because yeah. the the Rumbles are generally very light. Well, they are so light. You can just like yeah. deep. You know, like I want one, but you know. If somebody wants to give me one, that'd be sweet. <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, it's, I have toured with one of those before, and it's just, like, weightless. Yeah, it's like shocking. Kind of like space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be quite the pair. Um, cool. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about um, how you, how, you're going to do a little demo for folks. Do you want to, um, you know, tell people a little bit about your process here? Sure, yeah, so what I will be demoing is just kind of one step in in the whole like guitar setup process. So I will be demoing um, intonation, just how to intonate a guitar, and I probably won't go through the whole thing because it's a little monotonous, um, and there's, you know, I brought a bass instead of a guitar, but obviously it's the same process um, for everything. So basically, um, what I will be showing you is uh, how to make sure you're achieving the same pitch at the 12th fret as you do on an open string. So the 12th fret is the octave um, halfway between the, the nut and um, the bridge saddle area. So on any guitar, that is basically the formula, so that's basically your halfway point. So you should be getting the exact same note, um, 
but an octave higher. So one step of the set, like a, a setup process is, is elaborate. Obviously there's a lot more to it. You know, you're, you're adjusting um, the tension on the bridge. You're, you know, maybe cleaning all the pickups and pots and, uh, you know, cleaning everything, doing some fret work if necessary, making sure everything's even. Um, a lot more goes into it. But this is one thing that I think people can learn to do kind of uh, on their own as maybe an emergency fix. Like, oh, you realize, oh, I have a show and I don't have time to take my guitar into a shop, but like, I know that I'm out of tune once I get up high on the neck. So it's just something you could do to kind of mitigate, you know, going out of tune when you're doing your sweet solo, you're ripping solo. You want it to be in tune. You want it to be in tune. You want that ripping solo to be in tune. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um, so what does that process look like? So you need a handy dandy screwdriver. Often um, it's a Phillips head that will do the job, but sometimes it's a flat head, but that's basically the only tool besides a tuner. Um, so I have, as we all know, I have a tuner pedal. You could also use a little clip-on tuner. I brought one um, just to, you know, maybe you can see that. Oh, see? I like that. Uh -huh. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I'll point, I'll point that to the audience. Um, so that should basically be doing the same thing. So I like to get tuners that are as accurate as possible. So, you know, I mean, a snark will work, obviously, um, like one of those boss pedals that I usually use. I mean, th that works, but it's nice to do like the strobe tuner because you get all the little frequencies trying to line up. And also you can use a strobe tuner as kind of like a cheat to remember which way to turn the screwdriver. Oh, that's a hot tip. It's a hot tip. So we'll do the E string. Classic. Very popular string on both basses and guitars. So what I'm doing is plucking the note. You can't hear it because I don't know how to make you hear it. But I'm just trying to get a very accurate, um, just straight up E. So it, I'm looking at the tuner right now, and you can see that it's sort of a little bit sharp, maybe. Yeah. Um, and you can see that it's kind of um, moving ever so slightly to the right. Yes, to the right. That's important. So that means it's a little too sharp, so I'm getting it. We'll and call, we'll call that good. And on a stroke tuner, you want it to just be not moving. Not moving, yeah. So I got it where I want it to go. So now, now I'm gonna hit. I like to do this um, kind of sitting down without any other pressure on the instrument from the bottom or the top. So now I'm just gonna like fret it at the twelfth. Okay, so my tuner is reading that it is still, it's sharp at the 12th fret, even though when I do the open string. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Why don't you mimic, mimic I, yeah, the pitch? <laughs> so, I'll be, be your tuner. Thank, thank you, Hillary. I'm here for you. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to come on tour with my band? Please. Cool. So I'm going to take my screwdriver out of my pocket. And um, so it's sharp. So what I need to do is move the saddle backwards just to lengthen the string to give it a little more room to flatten out. So and what I mean by like using the tuner, the, the strobe as like a cheater to like know 
um, what to do with the screwdriver. So it's moving to the right, so I know that I need to turn to the right to move the, the saddle back. So, well, and actually this, this bass is a slightly different configuration, but if you're like looking at a, like a, a lot of the Fender guitars will have that kind of saddle. I forgot that this one. On the back. Yeah. 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 So. The, back, the butt end of the. Exactly. Of the bridge. Yeah. So mine just has like these pieces where uh, basically just. Underneath. Uh, yeah, so you kind of have to. Yeah, it's, it's awkward. You have to loosen the string, but um, I just I just unscrewed my little screw and I just pull back um, this guy just a slight bit. So then, with any adjustment, you got to retune the string. Oh, and it's still it's still a little bit, yeah, but still. So I got to do the same motion. So I'm still moving the saddle backwards. I mean, I'm not gonna go through this whole thing because it's it is. We're very gonna do tedious. the entire bass, right. and we're doing Nat's guitar. Four, and then we're yeah, all guitars. Everybody, get your guitars. But go get this your is guitar. the process. So basically, you just do that until it's, do it doesn't. Yeah, move you do it until it stops yeah. moving. Yeah. So boom. Yeah, and just trust me. I can do it. Normally, you know, it, there's like a table and, you know, it's just like a little bit, you don't want to go too far. How many of you trust Pam, Pamela? Do we trust her? Okay, great. The people have your back. We'll do one more round, see how close we are. Your band played a show on Friday, yes? My band played a show on Friday, yes. How was it? Super fun. Cool. Sparkly pants. Sparkly pants, yeah. To match the face. We wear sparkles in my band. It's one feature. (laughs) I find sometimes having a a costume is useful, (laughs) because then you know what you're going to wear. It makes it easier. Oh, yeah, and we all wear matching clothes, so then we don't have to, like, worry about anything. We just wear, do you want to wear the red one? Do you want to wear the pink one? Okay, shoes, this white shoes or black, you know, it's less decisions still well we're still not there but let's not go through the whole thing we trust you we trust you I mean (laughs) but that's that is how you intonate a guitar and so I do recommend like you know messing around with a guitar you have at home because it's good practice it's it's valuable it's easy actually it's just tedious it takes it takes some time but you get really like obsessed with it because you just want it but especially like if you're going into record or something like that. Oh, yeah, it's super, super important. Yeah. It's super important. Yep. Cool. Yeah. All right, Pamela, thank you so much <laughs> for telling the people, sharing these hot tips. All right, so here's what we're going to do next, everyone. Up next, we're going to bring all of the artists up on stage, and we're going to have a panel discussion, which, once again, will take just a moment to set up. So hold tight for one moment. Here we are. Thank you, esteemed panel. So what I want to do tonight, I want to start off talking a little bit. So obviously this podcast, we've talked a little bit about gear. (laughs) Um, But it's also about gender. It's about identity. Um, So I want to start with a question. And I'll put it out to everybody. You can respond however you want. Um, Basically, it's like, how have your experiences um, related to uh, gear been impacted or connected to gender to your identities more broadly. Um, it could be with like going to a guitar shop or recording or um, performing, however you want to take that. How is that, how has your experience with gear been connected to your identities? 
Um, this might sound a little boring, but uh, I don't really think about my gender at all. And in addition to that, I probably don't think about my gear that much either. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> like, um, uh, like I definitely want whatever I do to be like, like special and personal to me. Yeah. And I don't think about my gender within that. Like, if I could, I would just be like, there's no gender anymore. Uh -huh. But that's just me. For other people, gender is very valid and very important, and those feelings and opinions are valid. Uh -huh. um, and uh, I think I focus more so on, like, what is most unique and individual to my person, mm -hmm. and within that, what's most unique and individual to my music and like does that the gear that i'm using enhance that yeah um so i mean i'm like especially like within the way that i dress like i'm looking for it to be unique so i'm looking for that same thing within my gear um like yeah i want something to be like to do the job but if i can find something that's like a one-off brand and it's unique and special that's going to have more importance to me than anything that's awesome yeah i appreciate that you had a response oh okay great <laughs> <laughs> you were like i i've got nothing <laughs> but yeah that i feel like that makes a lot of sense and i appreciate your connection between your visual representation and your gear and how like it's a similar process of selection if that makes sense yeah that's cool thank you <laughs> all right i don't i i think uh you know there's like so so many corners of of gear culture are obviously very sort of um you know masculine dominated and a lot of the representation <clears throat> or almost all of the representation that we see for um you know for even you know educational materials but also like promotional materials that we see for like who you know what you know what is the person who uses you know these tools and engages with these technologies look like um you know we see we see men in, in most of the representation and that's obviously um you know shifting a lot especially in the last few years but i think because of that um you know growing up and uh, i i was just sort of like less less interested in sort of gear culture because um, it, it just seemed like it didn't really have anything to do with me so I you know so so I was attracted to tools that just seemed like they did the thing that I that I needed them to do were accessible to me and maybe were like pretty also um, and then and then as I we're getting some head nods across the <laughs> panel yeah. on all of this yeah it's gotta be a little pretty you know? <laughs> yeah I mean yeah <laughs> um, and then I think as I, you know, as I was able to enter circles and, and, and sort of gain professional experience and, and connect with, with collaborators and colleagues who were, you know, who sort of recognized my experience and were not guys, um, you know, th there was a sort of opening in terms of both the resources that I had access to and this sort of uh, access to those 
to those resources and technologies outside of this very sort of like mass hetero dominated culture and as yeah and as I moved sort of further into that I realized that I, I still was really not interested in this sort of like you know fetishization of these like you know unattainable tones of this like you know the you know, everybody wants the U forty seven and the Clan Centaur or whatever. You know, it's like it's it's refreshing to have like been felt alienated from that culture enough before I sort of knew what any of that is. That that now that I have access to, to that kind of stuff that I'm just not interested in it. It's nice to use really, really nice stuff and have tools that work well and fidelity is really important, but it's not the most important thing, the most important thing is listening. Mm -hmm. Totally. Thank you. I think for me, I mean, a lot of what you said actually, uh, what Nat said resonates with me. And I think I just in general was just put off by like guitar, gear, culture, just like I thought for a long time, I was like, I don't even like guitars, like whatever. I don't want anything to do with that because what really I didn't want anything to do with was like the misogyny inherent in, or just apparent and uh, prominent in, in a lot of like guitar stores and a lot of like of the rock bands I was playing in and like I would encounter um, a lot of people that didn't, uh, that I just didn't want to associate with and didn't treat me like they wanted to associate with me either. And so for a long time, I was I was very I was playing in bands and stuff, but I was like, eh, I don't like guitars, I don't care, like fuck this, you know. But then I I realized like, oh, I just need to take ownership and like find avenues that feel more supportive and feel more welcoming to me. And then I realized like, oh, I really like this shit. Like I really like guitars, you know. I like think this is very cool, and I really want to know how this all works, you know. So I just had to figure out the way to get in that that felt right for me, you know, and find different communities to associate with. And so here I am, you know, I'm like, oh, cool, <laughs> fun, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I think that like, I think between like, I think everybody's like comments are sort of, I would say representative of, of many of the different directions. It's interesting that you all had sort of like a slightly different take on it. Um, and <laughs> and um, and yeah, so it's cool just to see how that kind of like ends up manifesting for people differently um, because it can kind of show up in different ways. Um, I guess my follow up, more like specific to acquisition of gear, is um, like your maybe your best or worst experience in like music retail or like acquiring an instrument perhaps or a piece of gear best or worst whatever you whatever feels right for you um well i can talk first since i'm holding the microphone i would say um one bad experience that sticks out to me is i was playing violin in a band and i had a fender deville amp that i played through so i had this big tube amp you know whatever and I brought it to a music store um, to get it repaired, and they wouldn't let me, um, they were not nice to begin with, but 
you know, they fixed it, you know, whatever. Um, and they wouldn't let me take it back out of the store unless I tried it out with a guitar. And I was like, I don't play guitar. Like, I, I don't play guitar. At the time, I was like, I don't play guitar. And they, like, wouldn't. I don't know. It just, like, it was very, like, it, it made me feel very, I mean, cause I'm like, why can't I play in diff, you know, like, I don't play guitar. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it was this, very like, weird strict situation. Yeah, like, it was like, you narrow. must play a guitar out of this guitar amp. And it was like, I don't know, I don't know. So that that felt bad, and like that put me off of guitars, you know, because I was like, well, I don't know, I don't want to play guitar, I want to play violin, you know, whatever. Um, also, just one other quick other bad experience is that, <laughs> that I was working in this um, violin store, but I also like got charged with uh, selling guitars because they opened a guitar department, and even though I was not even hired, I was supposed to be a luthier, and here I was selling guitars, and people treated me like the dudes that would come in there like did not want to talk to me i mean that's that's a, over the that's a generalization but many people did not want to talk to me about guitars and i was like okay well i don't know who's gonna sell you your guitar then good luck <laughs> good luck yeah you're on okay, your own. that's me you played violin through a deville yeah did you use pedals <laughs> Or was it, what did you use pedals? No, no. just straight up. Just straight up. Boom. boom. Yeah. Cool. What was the band called? It's called Choke Cherry. Anything online? Oh, yeah. And we're playing a show oh, next Saturday. Hell yeah. Still we're happening. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Choke Cherry forever. Choke Cherry forever. There we go. Um, I don't, I mean, I won't go to a guitar store. <laughs> like, I, I won't do that. I already have a guitar, uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want strangers of any gender or ilk to hear me play guitar if it's not like a show or something. Wait, you're not going into stores just playing Crazy Train? Like, what? I couldn't. You know what? I can't play Crazy Train yet. I'm only 27. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I just, you know, I'm also, you know, I play guitar. It's it's the thing that I happen to, you know, do do for shows and and writing. I'm not particularly interested in it. Um, Sorry, Lisa and Moni are just like, no, we I love hate this. music. Sorry, I, love I I just don't. I'm not. I'm not really interested in in like like guitar gear. I just found the things that I like, and I'm gonna have them for the rest of my life, hopefully. But in terms of like acquisitions that have been nice, um, one of my close friends and collaborators and and mentors, um. Holly Hansen, who who runs a a studio here um, in the Twin Cities called Salon, where I do a lot of work. Um, she's she's constantly putting well, less so now. She has nicer stuff now, but she she used to put uh, Sennheiser four twenty ones just on everything, and really really taught me to appreciate. Um, yeah, just this sort of wonderful vernacular tool um, and how to use that in, in really subtle ways. And I think when I got my first 
421. Uh, it, you know, I just like got it. On the, I don't remember where I got it. But I remember that like having that and using that on my own made me feel um, like close to her and excited to sort of, Aww. you know, share this, share this tool that we like together. That's really nice. Yeah. Aww. Now I want a 421. <laughs> so I can be pl- close to both of you. <laughs> best experience I've had with uh, like gear, sound stuff in general. I'm just going to kind of generalize. It's when people are welcoming of wherever I'm at um, sound wise. Like if I walk into uh, a guitar store, which I don't do often because I don't play guitar. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fair. And um, although I do have one. Uh, and I have, yeah, I have two. I don't play either of them. <laughs> <laughs> but when I go to a guitar store, um, I walk in and immediately will beeline for what I need because I'm assuming that I'm going to have a bad time with someone just because you run into sound people. Not you, Mike. You're lit. Uh, but you run into yeah. some people, you run into gearheads, you run into just a bunch of people that are just like, they'll be like, oh, I know so much more than you, holier than thou type stuff of like, oh, you said this? It's actually this. And it's like, rude, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. And so if you can just meet people where they're at, it feels a lot more welcoming than, uh, like proving that like you know more than me like who cares who cares they care yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and like it's only those people that care about it and it makes people feel bad and it just like repeats the cycle um so uh like i'm all here for the knowledge of it though like i'm here if like you do want to get into it get into it dope but if like you don't already know that information, it's not like it, it shouldn't be shunned or like at least like looked down on. If right. you don't know in the way that like the knowledge is brought up. Um, I'm fa- thankful to the people around me that do introduce me to that knowledge so that I can have it <laughs> for future reference. But most of the time I mess up anyways. But uh, worst or worst experiences, like I kind of touched on um, uh, within that. So yeah, that's kind of like my best experiences are just like providing a welcoming environment. Worst experiences are like (laughs) being a dick. And there you have it. Yes. Um, hold on to that for one second because I do have a follow up. And this is—I mean, this is going to go into my final question before we get into the audience Q and A because this—that was a really good segue. Thank oh, you. Great. Nice job. Um, so, what would be your recommendation for folks in the industry if someone came to you and they're like, "We want to make the industry better"? Like, what would you recommend? So, this could be with gear or more broadly. You said create a welcoming environment. Maybe you want to yeah. talk more about that. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I guess like it looks like um, like finding out like okay, what knowledge do you already have? What's your background within this? If you know, and nothing, how do you do that without? Because I think some people like literally don't. They're like, how do I find out what people know without sounding like I'm a, I'm mansplaining or something? I mean, like I would say directly asking like 
did you go to school for like sound design? Yeah. Do, like, what's your just literally asking? What's your background with music? Period. Totally. Yeah. And then if someone's like, I have no background, but I'm trying to get into it. Just be like, all right, cool. Well, here's some things they do this. Like, you don't have to explain like every detail into everything because people like, especially me, just starting out in music. Uh, I had no idea what I was talking about, but I did have an idea of what I wanted to do. Yes. So if you can listen to people, find out like what they're trying to accomplish, I feel like you can point them easier into the direct general direction of what they would like and cut out all of the other, you know, minor details until later because people can't handle all that information right away and I can't. So I'm assuming People also don't have a memory, just like me. <laughs> yes, no memories. Yeah, uh, yeah, but like the scaffolding of that, it's like a t yeah. like in teaching, right? Like you're taught to scaffold things, and if like someone's coming at this level, you're not coming at them with this. Yes. You know, like I'm, I'm yep. demonstrating like the levels to right. people on the podcast. Yes. You can't see my hands, but anyway. you're moving your hand. Up I'm and moving down. my hand down yes. and up to indicate <laughs> levels of knowledge. Thank you. Uh, the theme of amnesia. Yeah, amnesia. I don't know. It's weird. I didn't know we were going to go here tonight. To, to that point, I got what a was, little lost listening to some of What was the question? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it happened so quick, right? Uh, we just wiping everybody's brain as they approach the stage. Um, so what, what it would, if somebody came to you asking for recommendations for how to make the like music gear space or music industry more broadly better, what would you say? Uh... <laughs> Some some this is, uh, what in industry professionals? Industry or? professionals, like let's say somebody who owns a music store or owns a like recording space or whatever. Like, well, I would never speak to someone who owned a music store, but in terms of <laughs> recording spaces, I, I don't know. I mean, just tr like try to move away from from models of of scarcity i think so many so many cultural and economic um issues that we have in the music industry and the studio side and and in you know the the touring live side um come come from us having these like really deeply ingrained beliefs about you know opportunities for 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 shows or for recording or for attention or or belonging in community or like direct resources um like you know like gear and and time being scarce but you know as the music industry um like continues to to fall apart and um and and profit for artists continues to you know to drain because of because of touring and because of the you know, acquisition and of of venues by Live Nation and stuff like that. Like, we're we're finding ourselves, you know, a lot poorer together. And and if we can share resources and if we're in it for music, like that's you know, it's it's not a good thing for there to be less money coming in overall. But it is a reminder that. You know, if you're still here, you're here for the music, and you have something to to share with with your peers and your broader community. Awesome, thanks. And I think that I could just maybe speak to like how to make 
uh, like repair shops, what I would say um, to like guitar stores or you know repair folks to to make that feel more inclusive and inviting, and that would be to to treat I mean to treat everybody walking in the door the same way as if they have I mean to assume that everybody knows what they're looking for even if they don't have the words to say or they don't know the names of the parts of their guitar whatever instrument like you know listen and meet people where they're at but don't make assumptions that like you know that they don't belong there because they don't know the, you know how to to ask for a guitar setup even or that they don't even know what a setup is like you know there's so many different levels of knowledge and i think that people get discouraged um from entering even in, you know bringing their guitars in and so people play on these instruments a lot of the time that don't feel right or that have something wrong with them because they are too scared to come in or don't even know that a better world is possible, you know? So I think just anything that you can do to be approachable and to like, you know, and, and I think a lot of that um, involves diversity in workplaces and making sure that there's like not just one identity represented in a guitar shop, for example. Like you don't want to go in and be surrounded by like six white dudes when maybe that's not you know comfortable for you or you know that you don't resonate with you know whatever but you know you know what i'm saying like yeah people need to you know feel comfy and welcome yeah and we're not maybe it'll be at a point at some point where people feel like you know, that's made a shift in some way <laughs> down the line where that's going to be okay. But because of where things are at and all the experiences people have had, we're not there yet. Correct. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you very much. All right. So I want to scoot to our next section here, which is audience questions. Are you ready, audience, for questions? What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk out here and... Um, have the microphone available to you to ask your question. So, anybody have a question for anybody in the audience? Yes. Do you want to say your name? Your name and then your question? Okay, cool. Hi, I'm Sylvia, and my question is What are each of your like musical inspirations, person wise? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for deciding that for me. I was wondering, do I want to go first? You had the answer. Um, Sylvia, thank you so much for that question. Um, let's see, person-wise, um, my inspirations started with uh, like David Bowie, costume-wise, in the labyrinth. And then, uh, music-wise, my mom would play her mixtapes because she was a gymnast, so she would always be practicing her choreography. And um, she was playing Serena Paris, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, and Sean Paul. <laughs> and uh, definitely Serena Paris stuck out to me. 
had that like kind of Eurodance vibe to it. Um, so I really pursued that heavily. Then I moved into like rock and metal stuff um, off of different video game soundtracks. I would listen to and then moved on to Royksop, then moved into J-pop, then moved into, uh, now I'm at like a Kim Petrus vibe really into like a lot of hyper pop stuff. Um, so I know that was really random and not all people, but that's the best I can do. That was amazing. I love that. It was like, a, I could see it vi like you going down the, like the linear path in front of our eyes. Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I, th I have a lot of people that I sort of listen to in the ground into the ground and I I think that um, I have people that I, I would love to to be able to rip off you know but I don't think I really sound like the people that I want to sound like but I do have a lot of people whose sort of careers and and uh, like modes of of practice I'm really inspired by and some of those people are um, kind of famous and some of those people are my buddies. Uh, I'll start with my buddies. <laughs> um, I don't know, uh, locally, Holly Hansen of Zoo Animal. Um, Haley of Haley. <laughs> um, the band Low is really, really important to me. I've recently been really, um, really moved by uh, the work of Joe Rainey and um, and More Mother. Um, I really like the the sort of like self referential, you know, infinite diary style of Phil Elvram. And uh, and I'm really really crazy about uh, about songs Ohio. That's some of my favorite stuff. Um, and Alice Coltrane, always. Awesome, thank you. Um, I think that like some of my very, very beginning musical influences that didn't necessarily influence like the way I like, played violin in a band, but now the way I, would, I play bass would be like, I listened to a lot of like riot girl music in high school, like Bikini Kill. Um, stuff like that, uh, a lot of punk rock, like Dead Kennedys, bands like Crass, who did just like this simple kind of like peace punk, like stuff was, that was very influential to me. Um, B-52s, I think, kind of in that like fun style. Um, ESG, that's another one um, that I really like in terms of like bass lines. Also, oh, nothing. I was oh. just, yeah, I feel like ESG for bass lines, like people don't so think about cool. it. Yeah, learn bass, learn ESG. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, my band is very like surf inspired, so I've listened to a lot of just classic surf music that can get kind of boring, but you know, it's, you know, bass lines are fine, they're, they're good. <laughs> whatever. They're fine, whatever. <laughs> awesome, thank you. All right, thank you for your question. Did that get at your, yeah. your question? Okay, cool. I don't know, I said people. I, people, I, I, what did you mean? I mean like artists. You mean artists, like? Art, artists, bands. 
You, you got it. They got it. Yeah, yeah, we're good. All right, cool. <laughs> Phew. Glad we're on the same page. All right. Anybody else have a good question? Uh, my name is Brent, and my question is for Nat. Uh, you kind of touched on not necessarily being a guitar player and being a producer and a songwriter. Uh, I'm curious what your thought process is in writing a song uh, and how you approach that and why you choose guitar, because what you played for us was, was very beautiful. Um, and so not being a guitar player necessarily uh, I'm interested in that thought process and why you choose it. Yeah, um, my thought process when I'm writing is, uh-oh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I like to hyperbolize about not caring about guitar. It's a little cool. <laughs> I like but that you're, it took us, like, how long have we been here to get to you to admit the guitar is actually a little bit cool? Just a little bit. Edit it out. <laughs> I retract I'll be, I'll that be statement. Ruined. But, no, I mean, I think that uh, it's, I don't know, what, like, growing, I grew up in Duluth. And um, the musicians that I would see in Duluth and people that I really looked up to growing up, you know, I, you know, I would see low all the time and I'd be like, oh, okay, that's, that's what a band is. That's what I want to do. So from, you know, from, from watching that, I was like, okay, well, I'll learn to play the guitar. That'll be the thing. And, and it wasn't until I was like really, um, you know, work, like working in the music industry or starting to work in the music industry that I really you know was able to to sort of like experience the the like possibilities of of instrumentation and get my hands wet with the with the synthesizer and um and uh and you know to to see people like play the saxophone in a really expressive way up close or pedal steel uh and so, like, the guitar is, is something that I'm comfortable on and something that I've been doing long enough that I feel that I can be expressive when I play guitar. But it's not, it doesn't feel like the most central thing that I do. Um, like, I, I think of, uh, when I'm playing, I, I think much more about playing a song than playing um, the guitar. The song is the instrument for me. Cool. Thank you. All right. Any other questions out here? I'm scanning the audience. All right. How do you find time to be? Wait, what's your name? Oh. My name's Courtney, and I'm curious how you find time to be creative when you feel like you don't have time to be creative. That is a great question. And I think that probably everybody's like not like, you know, I don't know, like I feel like I'm never giving myself enough time to be creative. And then, you know, I have to be like, well, there's no rules or there's no law, but I don't know. You just gotta like treat it like a job. So, oh, that's okay. Hello? Good. 
Um, I mean, I know that I have to like actually schedule it because I have like a million trillion ideas and like, oh, I'm like writing a little song when I'm walking my dog and then, you know, it'll disappear unless I record it into my phone or write down whatever when I get home. But, you know, like consistency and just giving yourself five minutes to do that if the mood strikes. And same with like the the luthier work that I'm doing, like it's not my full time job and I want it to be eventually. So it's like you just have to, even when it's uncomfortable, sacrifice maybe a little bit of sleep or a little bit of, you know, this or that um, in order to like do the thing, even when it doesn't feel like the fun thing to do it. You know, I gotta, you know, I want that to be my full time job. So, you know, I gotta keep trucking even when it sucks. You know, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think it sure does suck, doesn't yeah. it? It's <laughs> hard. Um, I just don't find that balance. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, do you? Do you? No. No, no, no that's made up. You made that up. That's not a real thing. Courtney, how dare you? Show me one person, Courtney, who's got it. I don't know. I I think I used to have a little bit more of that when I was, um, you know, when I was like in in school. I uh, I think I found a lot of really like it was always really good writing time when I was um, really like in the shit and behind on other stuff that I needed to do. And that's what, you know, something sort of cracks and then you step into this sort of other place and get a little bit obsessive, but it feels like restorative and generative. I think ever since it's been, you know, my job to, to you know, work in recording studios and, and mix people's records and stuff, like it's, it's increasingly um, difficult for, for me to access that. But two things that, that help with that are one, to you know, to try to remind myself as best I can that that's like a really good way to um, like to feel good and to, to like under you know that it's you know it's like self care in this way to like do do your practice. It's not it's not a to do thing, which makes it I guess also harder to schedule. But also to um, to try to maintain like really um, close uh, relationships with my collaborators and be and be checking in. I. Um, I'm working on an album right now where I have like a, a more sort of traditional role producer that I'm working with and it's really really helpful to have someone who's kind of on me in this way to say hey how's you know how's this thing going where are we um, that's kind of the only way that I can really move forward right now uh, yeah uh, I have to agree that there's no balance, and if anyone thought there was a balance to anything, they are wrong. Um, we're all just seeking balance constantly our entire lives uh, with everything that we do. And uh, at least that's how I feel. Um, and uh, like I'm, I do it because I have to, even when it sucks, I have to do it. Like it's as important as taking a shower. And if I don't take a shower, I'm gonna stank. If I don't be creative, my mind is gonna stank. There's gonna be like a buildup 
of creative thoughts that I'll be mad at myself for not getting out. Um, and that's like the best I can explain it. Like I have to do it. Like musical hygiene. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, write that one down. Write that one. We gotta record it. We won't forget. <laughs> See, it worked out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right. I think we have time for maybe one more question. Anybody have another question? Yes. Oh, can I have two questions? Yeah, I mean, if they're related. Yeah. Okay, I think they're valid. So um, say your name and then. Hi, I'm Matt. <laughs> hi. Uh, I had an intonation question. Oh, yeah. Um, do or don't do it soon after changing strings. Oh. Yeah, and why? Yeah, I think definitely do it, um, but stretch out your strings really really nicely first like I would to me um, as soon as I change strings as soon as I put a new set of strings on a guitar I just spend all the time I need to stretch out the strings and that's also tedious and that would be annoying to do on a podcast as well but like you know just go through and you know do make make the string like pluck the string and then you know, do all your little stretching and then pluck it again and tune it back up and, and get to the point where it is in tune no matter what and then intonate your guitar after that. Cool. All right. Um, so, Simone, I had a question, a follow-up question for you, um, which was, you sort of answered it a little bit already, which was about your, um, your, your like, performance style. Yes. Like, how, like, how did you... What comes first, like the, the performance style, the clothing, the music, like where does it all come at the same time in like a, a vision? Where, where does it all come from? Um, like before each performance, where does it start? Like, what yeah, like I guess what, when you're coming up with a new creative idea or something like that, like because sure. it, it, it seems like things are interconnecting in a way, right? Um, I have always been dressing weird for my entire life. So that's just been continual. I never think about what I'm gonna wear beforehand and it takes me two hours to decide. So I started at five today, deciding what I was gonna wear. That's stressful. I was like, you know, like, I was like, finding a costume is so easy. Doesn't it make no. it easy? <laughs> Not for me. If it's the same every time, maybe, but if it's different, that's a whole other situation. Yes. Uh, and then as far as like the song goes, um, like music idea, like, I just open up my, like, I open up Ableton like once a day and I just start throwing shit at the wall. I don't know what I'm gonna make. I just know that I have, you know, my inspirations and that I would like to make something similar to them, but who knows if I will. And uh, I can only attempt and then like, at least get a bass line, some type of percussion on there and drums and then get my vocals on. And if I like the idea, cool. If I don't, save it for later and keep it moving. So, cool, that's what I do. Cool, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> awesome, thank you very much. All right, so that concludes our panel. It concludes our audience Q&A. That concludes our evening together. 
I'm crying on the inside. You can't see it. It's I can you can feel it. It's like tears going down my throat. It feels weird, but it's so good. Um, okay. So um, I want to give a round of applause to our artists tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Yay! All right. Um, how can folks stay in contact with you? Online at Sim One. <laughs> The internet.com. Just give me a call. <laughs> Can I put my personal phone number on the phone? I would list? love that. Can you, yeah, do your fax number actually. Um, come on over or, <laughs> or Nat Harvey, N A T H A R V I E. Find me on um, Bing Music. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Yeah, or any of the other, you know, any of the other stuff. It's just my name. But Bing Music is best. That's where you get the most money per stream. 50 bucks per stream. Wow, what a Not deal. Not a lot of people. Wow. Are it's a great service. Yeah. I mean, I was going to, like, say Bandcamp, but you know what? No, no, Dang. Oh, oops. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm joking. I won't. Uh, you can find me personally. My Luthier uh, Instagram page is Pamela Leisure Luthier. No, Luthery. See? See? I'm glad that, I'm and glad it, that, well, I'm it, glad that you and it's who a, has yeah. it as their profession. I know, well. I know. So that's my name, P-A-M-E-L-A-L-A-I-Z-U-R-E-L-U-T-H-E-R-I-E. That's my Instagram thing. Um, you can find my band at Black Widow's Empire on Instagram and Facebook or blackwidows.bandcamp.com or on the other streaming things, but Bandcamp is cool. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was cool. Bigmusic.biz. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right, I want to give a last shout out once again to the artists. Thank you. And I want to thank uh, Cadence. Thank you very much for having us here tonight. Um, thank thanks uh, to Chase Bliss for sponsoring and being the best ever. Thank you. Um, and thank you all, live audience, for being here. Um, raise your hand up. Put your hand up. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> thank you very much for being here tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks, Mike, for sound. All right. So many thank yous. So much appreciation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once for Hillary. Come everyone. on. Midriff.bing slash angel geocities dot live journal, journal slash net. Okay. That was so much fun. Thanks again to Simwa, Nat, and Pamela for joining me. You can learn more about them in the show notes. Normally, at the end of an episode, I'd get into another topic, but this episode was so jam-packed, we'll save it for another time. And if you're like itching for more, you can check out the last episode, episode uh, 58, where I covered music, representation, and AI. All right. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review so more people can hear about it. Oh, <laughs>